from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good Podcast. We're recording here in our temporary studios at National Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. Our temporary studios are really Elizabeth, our producer's office. Thank you, Elizabeth, for letting us invade your office one more time. I love it when you invade my office. It's phenomenal. We're very, very, very soon. Mm-hmm. We will not be doing this with you here. I think I may miss it a little bit. I, I think so, too. Yeah. Your, your office is very cozy. Thank you. Uh, and we appreciate your hospitality. Well, I appreciate you coming in. When we come in here, you clean things up really nicely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But Tell that our, to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your mother's listening to this, we do want to in, in, to you know sing your praises. Thank you. Because you are keeping your space clean. Gracias. And that is greatly appreciated. Thank you. To my left, once again is our wonderful and most intellectual and illustrious editorial director that we have on the, this building, in this office at this time. Mr. Jeff McDonald, how are you, sir? I am well. I'll try to live up to that high bar you just set. Well, you know, I'm always about setting the bar real high mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, everybody drowns because they, <laughs> they can't quite reach it because, uh, you know, I drown myself. <laughs> Well, in this uh, particular uh, episode, uh, we're, we're talking with April Foster. Jeff had an interview with uh, April Foster, and she works for the Salvation Army in the Eastern Territory, I believe. Jeff, tell our listeners, who exactly is April, April Foster? April Foster is the director of the Trade for Hope program, not a program, initiative, out of the, uh, under the auspices of the Salvation Army's Eastern Territory. Uh, a- April um, is a Salvationist who have spent, I think, 20 years in Africa uh, doing um, ministry work on, for the Army in that region and really considers uh, Kenya to be uh, her second home, if not her first. And from that experience, she was invited to uh, become the director of uh, Trade for Hope, which is a program that started in Pakistan where the Army was helping women develop um, enterprises on their own so that they could bring to market and then, uh, and by doing so, have a sustainable income and provide for their families and really pull them up from um, their uh, circumstances. So we featured her as an expert witness and we've also put on our, our website an extended interview yes. uh, that you had with her mm-hmm. in regards to what she deems as, as products of transformation. So here's Jeff's interview with April Foster. So could you just explain briefly what, what Others Trade for Hope is and how it came to be? Others Trade for Hope is the Salvation Army's uh, global social enterprise. We partner with over 1,200 men and women in Bangladesh, Kenya, and Pakistan. And the partnership is really around appreciation of 
um, the skills and expertise that artisans around the world have in creating beautiful handmade products and um, partnering together to um, make a market for those products and the story behind those products to be shared um, with with other people. And so we um, have been working with this uh, particular ministry since the late 1970s when it began in Bangladesh and came directly out of work with very vulnerable women who were looking for opportunities to come out of um, situations that were enslaving and entrapping them and also leading to um, that same situation uh, for their children. And uh, Salvation Army began to work very closely um, with, with these groups of women and through counseling and literacy training and then eventually skills training, um, which led to development of products um, you know, kind of one thing led to another and really began to look for opportunities where um, these products could be um, shared and marketed um, in, in order to um, support these women. And uh, eventually retail space was set up in Bangladesh to sell those products and then um, partnerships with other territories began to emerge in Norway and Sweden and Denmark, and uh, then more recently here in the United States to become partners um, with those artisans in sharing those products and the story behind them. Yeah. So, April, you, you obviously have such a deep commitment to um, service. How did you become the director of Others Trade for Hope? Well, I was living and serving in Kenya at the um, the time when I think this part of this, the story for me began to unfold. I had been living in Kenya um, for 20 years, very involved in the work, Salvation Army's work with um, HIV and community development there, and had seen a lot of initiatives of working, you know, with women's groups through startup funds for micro-enterprise and small businesses. And you know, some varying degrees of success uh, with with that. Um, and began uh, a, in a very small way with five women in Kenya who were making products from recycled paper. And we began to look for markets locally in Kenya and really saw um, a very good response with that. And that number of women began to grow in that community. And then Kenya was visited by the Others Global team, and they were looking to add um, a country in the Africa region um, to the Others network. And we were asked, the territory was asked whether they would be interested in becoming part of that. And when they agreed, I, I, was, I was asked to give leadership to the development of Others in Kenya, which I did for five years. And then uh, was uh, approached by the Salvation Army leadership here in the States who uh, were wanting to promote others in a more visible visible way here, um, whether that would be something that I would consider. And um, really seeing the need for expanding the markets and the opportunities uh, for women, you know, firsthand through my experience in, in Kenya, I really, you know, had to prayerfully consider consider that. I mean, Kenya was, you know, was home, um, is home in many ways, and but really felt that that was a door that the Lord was opening to grow this ministry and to increase opportunities for women. And so 
um, in 2014, I, I returned to the States and have been giving others a full-time focus here um, since since then. Yeah. I, I know in this day and age, you know, everyone wants measurable uh, impacts for their uh, application of money. Do you have any idea of what measurable impacts others has made on some communities? I think that, you know, numbers of women involved, certainly a lot of um, qualitative, you know, stories of change, like the ones I've just shared. Um, you know, every conversation uh, we have with these groups of women, they will give, you know, their um, examples of how they have started their own small businesses, you know, aside from others with the income that they're making, which allow them to be um, independent and um send children to school and even those opportunities to get a higher education, I think, are really things that begin to change not only the landscape of the individual, but that community as well as their children become um, people who have more opportunities. And um, and so I think those, those stories are really throughout um, the you know, the fabric of others in every place where we're working. Um, in Bangladesh, particularly with uh, with those vulnerable populations where we're dealing with trafficked and prostituted women, um, since others started, there's over a 1,000 women who have been able to come out of that um, and permanently stay out of um, out of that, and then that directly impacts their next generation of children who are also not um, not subject or vulnerable to that kind of exploitation. And so I think, you know, those um, those individual stories and then those numbers of, of people starting their own businesses and really having these dramatic changes in their circumstances are, you know, all things that um, we would count as successes of of the other's, other's story. Hmm. Yeah, so no doubt that it's one thing to talk about the theories of, of of what you do, but being on the ground must be a, a, a tough reality at points. And obviously you've seen uh, quite a bit in your 20 plus years of overseas ministry. Uh, what motivates you? What keeps you so vigilant in your work? Well, I think uh, for me, it's it's the connection with uh, with people and their stories and being able to see um, see change happening and transformation happening in people's lives when we partner together in a way that um, shows respect and upholds the dignity of people and allows them to be um, the decision makers in their own um, futures and uh, and I think having you know that's not easy it's it's not that that happens overnight but i i think being able to see um the the many many stories of lives transformed and when you change one life um the impact that that has on the ripple effect of a one life changed one woman's life changed the impact that that has on her children and um and their children and neighbors and community watching and seeing that and um and so i think that that understanding that even though sometimes it can seem small what you're doing but the influence and impact of of one person changed um is huge and i think that 
that keeps me going and um, just a belief in the strength of people to um, be able to um, work hard for their own future and to use the gifts and talents and skills that they have in a way that not only, you know, blesses and changes their own lives, but does that for the people around them. And, um, yeah, it's just a privilege to be a small, small part of, you know, of that story. Does Now, the of course, the Army's mission is to serve human need and to uh, – preach the the news about salvation through Jesus. Is that spiritual component an important part of others? Absolutely. Um, I think that, um, you know, it's really eye-opening for people when, for example, they uh, travel or have an opportunity to visit um, Bangladesh and sit in a local Salvation Army church in a predominantly Muslim and Hindu um, country and, and community and see a Salvation Army officer um, welcoming and and sitting with women, men and women of of different faiths in a Salvation Army um, church and having the opportunity because of the relationships and respect that he um, he or she has for people to have a very open environment where they are allowed to pray for and care for people um, not only practically but also spiritually. And I think for for others, um, none of what happens um, at any level could happen without there being a total reliance on, you know, really seeking God's wisdom in terms of direction and um, and how things are, are growing um, globally as well as at a local level, and really having that um, local work entrusted to people who are very conscious that. Um, that the real change that we hope for people is is that really life-giving change of having a relationship um, with Jesus Christ and that that is first uh, shown through very practical love and care in whatever situation you're in. And then as you have relationship with people, you're able to to share more deeply about what your real motivation is for uh, for the work that you're doing. Um, so, yes, absolutely, Um uh, just woven into the fabric of, of what Others Tree for Hope does. Can you give me an example of that kind of spiritual awakening that you've witnessed? Yeah, I'll give you a story of a, a man um, named Shib that we met in Bangladesh. I first met him three years ago, and uh, he's a Hindu Hindu man. Um, we were taken to visit him uh We'd gone to one of the communities that was um, making some of the products for others, and um, the core officer and his wife um, were taking us on some home visits, and they brought us to the home of Shib. He had been um, a long-distance truck driver, um, had been involved in an accident that paralyzed him from the waist down, and he was now sitting. Um, he His story was he had been sitting at home. He had been the main breadwinner of the family. Um when when we first met him, uh, the local community had spoken to the Salvation Army and said, look, you know, we're concerned about Shiv. He's not, you know, able to do the job that he did before, and they were involved in making some products for others that involved uh, sewing, using a sewing machine. And uh, Shib knew how to sew, and so they came to the officer and they said, we want you to meet, you know, our neighbor Shib. 
and we're thinking that he could do some of the sewing on, you know, for some of the products that, that we're making. And so the officer, you know, went, built a relationship with SHIB, and, um, and he did begin to do um, the, the sewing of, of products. So by the time we met him, when we went to his home, SHIB was sitting at a sewing machine um, making some of these products for, for others which were being exported all over the world. And as we um, listened to his story, um, you know, he said that he felt, for the first time, love and care um, for him that had come through the ministry of the, the Salvation Army officer in that community, and that it wasn't something that, you know, he had experienced in his life before. And, you know, he said, I'm a Hindu man, but here was this Christian man who came and just, you know, cared for me and visited me and my family and provided me with this opportunity. So fast forward, um, two years after that, this just a, um, a few months ago, was back in Bangladesh and went back to the same community. And I was really surprised to see Shib sitting in the back of the Salvation Army Corps Hall where we were kind of meeting for our, our gathering. And I said to the officer, I'm so happy to see Shib here. You know, did, did someone carry him here? Because the last time I had seen him, he was, wasn't able to walk. And he said, you need to go, let's go and talk to Shib. You're, you need to hear, hear his testimony, essentially. Well, as we started walking towards Shib, um, he stood up. And I'm going to cry. Even That's quite a right. No, it's dramatic, yes. Stood up. Yeah, stood up and walked, started walking towards us. And I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And, you know, we were just in amaze, amazement and said, Shib, what, you know, what's happened? Um, and here was this Hindu man who said, um, said that I know, I said, I know that people all over the world have been praying for me. And it's because of those prayers that I'm walking today. Oh, my goodness. And, um, you know, we were mm. just all like bawling as we're we're listening to this man um mm. you know his testimony and and I think it's you know it's stories like that where someone you know in this environment where you think you know how does the love of God really get shown, and how do people know that for themselves in their own experience and here was this man you know through the very practical love and concern of um, Salvation Army officers and, you know, core people and neighbors in that community who, um, despite everything in his experience and his own faith, you know, context, was able to say, God has healed me. Um, uh, yeah, because of your prayers. And so we continue to pray for Shib and for, um, you know, his growing understanding of of what that you know, love of God in his life um, really means even beyond his physical healing. Um, but, you know, God is with and present with people in their journeys. And I think the the privilege to accompany these stories and the door that's open through others to, you know, really minister in this way is, is just so, so powerful. Yeah. Well, we, um, we, Look forward to being a small part of that. I'm thinking lately that 
probably the most powerful force in the world is prayer, but how little we tap it, how little we apply it. But uh, that's a powerful example. Um, What would you say to those in the West about needs and attributes of people from other cultures with which you're familiar? Um, People have strengths. Every every person um, created in the image of God has strengths. And I, I think one trap that we need to avoid, you know, from from our our perspective is thinking about people as um as just poor or just needing um you know needing financial resources that we can provide and i think that when we do that we do the greatest disservice that we can to another human being i think the the value that we need to place on people um the hopes and dreams that people have the skills and capacities that they have been created with to use um, the strengths that they have, you know, for endurance and, um, you know, just ingenuity and um, to make their futures better is something that we we need to respect and we need to, to value and to come alongside and learn from and um, know how to partner together with people in a way that really allows them to reach into their full potential um, not to become dependent on on um, someone in an inappropriate way, but to really partner together in a way that um, that respects those those strengths and and I think the other is maybe touching on what you've just mentioned. Um, you know, people in so many of the the environments that I've been privileged to live and work in um, have such a deep faith and reliance on God and a trust that He is always present and is always working on their behalf for their good. And even in the most difficult circumstances, I think we have so much to learn from the faith of people who struggle um, in in material ways that we can't, you know, even begin to comprehend. Um, and yet their faith in God is, um, is like a, a rock, um, a foundation that, um, that they know is true, and and I think that you know those ways that we need to see each other and um, and learn from each other, um, despite what our economic um, lives or situations look like. That we wouldn't use economics as the way to determine who's rich and who's poor, but that we would um, see each other's strengths as people created in the image of God and that we would be able to value each other in that way. And that was Jeff's interview with April Foster. Well, Jeff, you know, we are growing in our interviewing process here. Uh, both you, Michelle and myself, uh, are interviewing all kinds of different people and, uh, coming from different walks of life, whether they're celebrities or authors, or as this individual, this is, this is mission in action. This is, this, uh, April has a lot to say about, uh, again, like we, we said at the beginning, uh, it's, a, it's transforming people's lives. What, what are some of your takeaways from your interview with her? Well, first, I hope that people can sense April's heart in her discussion. She is so committed to this work and to sharing Jesus with these people through it. Her passion is just so remarkable and wonderful and she's so consistent in it. Um, but I've, you know, from a, 
being uh, a resident of the Western world and not really familiar with uh, other cultures to the extent that she is, I had to ask her, you know, what, to, what would she want us to know in the Western world about this enterprise uh, projects and uh, how we should view people there. And um, she says this, God is with people in their journey. It is a privilege to accompany them as their stories unfold. And she speaks of the integrity and the commitment that these people who have relatively nothing compared to us and, and the dignity that they, they so long to, to um, understand and um, for people to know about them. Yeah, and you know, you, you, you hit on a couple things there, the, the dignity that, that happens. And also, you know, they are on a journey and God is with them on that journey. It may not look like a journey that people in North America may be familiar with, mm. but for those of us that have been to developing countries such as Kenya, you can see the joy of the Lord in people's lives. You can see how something simple as this is being used to, to change a village, and, and the, the ripple effects are, are, are tremendous. Yes, and you'll see in the interview, if you read it online or listen to uh, April, the, the stories of the individuals she, she references and what happened to them through this program are truly remarkable. So we encourage you to learn more about others and support others by visiting their website at tradeforhope.com. Well, that's going to end another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. We really want to thank you for taking a few moments of your time to listen to us. We encourage you to subscribe to Fight for Good uh, if you haven't yet. And wherever you listen to podcasts, in whatever manner you do, uh, we hope that you will uh, subscribe and give us a rating. Drop us a note. Let us know how we can improve. Uh, let us know how God is blessing you through these podcasts. We also encourage you to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Follow The War Cry and Peer Magazine on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. So we thank you again for listening to us, and we hope you found some inspiration today and some hope in your life. And until we meet you again over the airwaves, we pray God's blessings on you, and thank you for listening. Bye for now. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.